so, so good. Tell them, with every breath that I am able, and I will sing of the goodness of God. Yes, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God.
us today. It is a privilege to be his child.
not. That's right. Everything brave and bold, you're fighting for us. Amen. And that good news today. Where would we be without him? Go ahead and take your seats if you would.
Jesus paid it all, and all to Him I owe. And sin had left a crimson stain, He washed it white as snow. Sing that again. And Jesus paid it all, it's all to him I owe. And sin had left a crimson stain, yet he washed it white as snow. And no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Until he returns or calls me home, and here in the power of Christ I'll stand. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home, is here in the power of Christ. Is here in the power of Christ we the Messiah. You're the hope of all the world. 
and by your grace I live and breathe to worship you. you love us and care about us you did not need us for anything but you chose us in your love to be your ambassadors to be those that would represent you here on this earth we're so thankful that you have given us something more than just to go to work and come home to live for 
We're so thankful that we have such a glorious inheritance that one day we will see you face to face, Father, your son Jesus face to face. And all this pain and turmoil and all this stuff will be no more. We'll be forever with you in a place called paradise where there is peace and contentment and joy everlasting. God, help us to maintain that, grab a hold of that, remember that as we walk around, as we do the things that we do. I pray that you'd help us to walk into the works that you've called us to with our eyes wide open because we live in a world where people are dying and going to hell and we do not want to see anybody perish and we know that you and your son want that even less than we do. So we pray that that would happen. Help us to be your ambassadors. Pray that you'd help us now as we look into your word to be changed as a result. Open our eyes to what you want for us today. In Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, good morning, church. So good to see you guys here today. It's a blessing to worship with you, and it's a blessing to be with you here today. Welcome from the cause, middle school and high school kids. Uh, we've been uh, having a lot of fun this semester. We've been thriving alongside of you guys in the same passages that you've been reading, and it's been a blessing to see your kids getting God's word and make observations that are incredible. From sixth grade all the way to twelfth grade, just by simply reading God's word, God's been speaking to your kids' hearts, and it's been a blessing to see and encouragement to us. Ever felt like something was a little off? Something was just a tad off? When you open up the fridge, you take out the milk, you start pouring it, and you hear the terrible sound of gloop, gloop. (laughs) Hate that, right? Or you're driving down the road, and you're trying to get to your destination, and your tire starts making your car go, right? And you forgot to tighten the lug nuts all the way. And probably the worst one of all, and hopefully we hear an amen on this, when you go to the beach, you get done playing in the sand with all your kids, grandkids, and you, uh, you dry your feet off and you put on your socks. And then like 30 minutes later, you're like, oh, I missed a toe. And it's just that sand in between your, oh, it's terrible. You're like, something is terrible. I hate this. This was a this is a bad decision to go to the beach today. Something's off, right? I think we can all can relate to that. Uh, in addition to, to those things, I'll say this. I, I've never talked to more students um, are dealing with depression, dealing with anxious thoughts, dealing with suicidal thoughts, dealing with just feeling overwhelmed at any time in my life. I, I'm talking to parents who's, they're, they're, uh, they're hurt over their kid's lack of belief, saying, do I really believe in God anymore? Parents who are describing their families as divided over issues. Something's off. Something's off. And, and my question today for us as a church, God's people, is there a different experience? Is there a different way of living right now in 2020, 2021? Is there, is there a different way of living, a different experience that God would have for us? And I believe in God's word that God would say yes. There's a different life that we could be living. And I think he, God describes it and uses it and says, hey, there's one word that describes this type of living. It's joy. So if you would, open up God's word here today to 1 John chapter 1, 1 through 4. Our big idea is this today. That God's desire is for every believer to experience joy. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, we thank you for your word. And as we're about to read it, I pray that your people, that us as a church, that we would see your heart. That when we notice that something's off, that we go to you and we go to your word and find that you offer something for us every single day. A different experience in you, Jesus. Help us learn how to do that and be reminded by these truths today. We love you and praise things in your name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we read God's word? In 1 John chapter 1, 1 through 4, it says this. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and we have heard, we also declare to you so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be made complete. You believe those things? And then you can take your seats. Now, just like you're on a vacation, you're well, actually just like planning a vacation, you want to start with your destination first. And so we're going to do that. We're going to start with verse 4 because we want to see what first joy is and then how to get there. Joy is this. Joy is a calm delight amidst any circumstance. This word, joy, is used 59 times in the New Testament. And John here is speaking to his readers as an eyewitness looking at their lives, desiring the fathers, the young men, the little children, the families, that they would experience something that's a contrast to the world around them. Joy can also mean your heart is lifted up, like you have a song in your heart. It's also, if you are a, a discipleship uh, fan, it's, it's one of the pieces of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So it, it comes in that whole package. Bruce Larson says this, The bottom line for you and me is simply this, Grimness is not a Christian virtue. If God really is at the center of one's life and being, joy is inevitable. If we have no joy... We've missed the heart of the good news. And our bodies, as much as our souls, will suffer the consequences. You know what joy looks like? Joy looks like this. Joy looks like Paul and Silas in prison, shackled and singing. Joy looks like a high school student who just this couple months ago lost power at his house for six days. And said, you know what? I want to go help people clean up their backyard. And then you ask him, how? How, like, you don't have power at your house, and you want to go help people out? What's going on? And his response, I'll take care of it. You know what joy looks like? Joy looks like when you have to water your house because there's fires coming. And then you stay, at a, night, you stay a night at the church, and the question is asked, how, how are you doing? And they say, God's got it. God will take care of it. Those are real stories of people in our church. Joy is saying, this, this, this is for my good. What I'm going through right now is for my good. It's for God's glory. Joy is saying, this isn't the end of the story. You see, the world can only offer bite-sized pieces and moments of pleasure that are fleeting. 
But God's offering you and I a joy that's inexpressible, that doesn't make sense. Well, how can I experience that? Read with me in verse 1. Our big question now is, how can I experience this joy? In verse 1, it says this, what was from the beginning? The first step to experiencing joy is by seeing Jesus right. What John does here is he wants us to time travel back to a couple moments. In order to see joy in our lives, we have to see him right. What was from the beginning? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who said that? The same guy that wrote this book. John speaking to believers that are dealing with a lie during their day, that Jesus wasn't fully God and man. And he says, think back to who he said he is. Who did Jesus say he was? He said that I'm God, that I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. That I'm the great I am. Before Abraham existed, I am. That from eternity past to eternity future, that I am God. What we have heard. What did they hear from Jesus? He said, blessed are the poor, for they will receive the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Whatever God says, Jesus said. Whatever God thinks, Jesus thinks. Whatever God does, Jesus does. As John wants us to time travel back to what he did, he said, what was from the beginning? What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes. What did they see? They saw God walk here for 33 years on earth. They saw him get tired. They saw him eat food. They saw him fall asleep in a boat and then wake up and calm the entire storm. They saw him reach down and help the cripple, help the lame, help those with infirmities for years who couldn't help themselves. He listened to the children. He listened to the sinners. He helped the sinners. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed, forever etched in their memory, would be those moments in which they saw Jesus taken from that court, flogged, ripped, and shred to pieces, a a crown of thorns thrust upon his head, ultimately to carry a cross and bear that for you and I. Hang there, die be buried in, a, in an actual tomb and for three days, and then not staying there like the rest of us would, but because he's God, he rose again. We observed that, we saw that, we looked at that. What does he say next? What was from the beginning, what we've heard, what we've seen with our eyes, what we have observed and touched with our hands. We touched the holes in his hands and his side concerning the word of life, That that life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life. This life from God. It was as if wherever you went with Jesus, it was how life was supposed to be. He had answers for every problem, but showed grace. He saw people's deepest felt needs and met them. It was like walking with Jesus was walking with the one who created the entire thing called life. It's because he did. 
This eternal life was revealed. He showed that he had power over life itself by defeating death. But I got a question. Did John and the disciples ever see Jesus wrong? Because here he's saying, look back to all that he was. Look back to all these moments of who he was. But did John and the disciples ever get it wrong? Did they ever see him wrong? And it actually caused a lack of joy in their life. Because when I think back to these moments, I'm filled up. Well, to help us maybe think about that, I want you to imagine for a moment two sides. One side was a religious side, very established, wanting to stay with the things that they used to be. You might say that they're conservative in their ideals. And this side actually joined themselves with the political leaders of the day. This side wanted to follow the law. This side wanted to keep things safe. And then you have another side, progressive in some of their ideals, saying change is coming, change is coming, change needs to happen. What if these two sides met? What would happen? What if they met? What would it do to our world? I want to let you know that that moment happened in John 18. The Garden of Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives, in AD 33. This side over here, the religious, they said, this Jesus who's here in the middle of this moment, this Jesus, he's, he's, he's wrecking our existence. He's messing with our ways. And it says in John 18 that they put before them a battalion, which could have been up to 600 people. They came with lanterns and torches and weapons to this moment, to this confrontation, to this clash. And then here on this side were the disciples saying, change is about to come, change is about to come. And in this moment, who's in the middle? Jesus. John 18, Jesus is here in the middle. And what happens? Jesus says, well, whom do you seek? Whom do you seek? And they say, I, we're seeking Jesus the Nazarene. And if you read it, you know what happens? Just like the walls of Jericho and just like Goliath, they all fell down in one moment. These people with torches and weapons, they all completely fell down. Boom. And then they timidly got back up again. And Jesus asks again, well, who do you seek? And they said, Jesus, I'm the Nazarene. And what was the response of this side? Peter pulls out his sword and cuts off Malchus's ear. You see, both sides were wrong. Both sides were wrong. Both sides had something that was off. Jesus, he actually talks to Peter and says in another passage, don't you know I could send out like 72,000 angels in this moment? Like a whole legion. I, I could send out a whole group. But I'm about my Father's will. I'm not about what you guys are doing. I'm not about what you guys are about to do. And how did both sides leave? They left with anger. And ultimately, to the cross, taking Jesus there. And what did this side leave? With fear, with a lack of contentment, a lack of peace, and joy far gone. Do you see Jesus right? Has Jesus, in this last year, 
for you turn into more of a butler? Is, is Jesus a butler maybe for you where you go, ding, hey, 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 God, I need this, ding, hey, God, I need this, ding. Has he always answered? Has God maybe for you turned into like a father who hasn't met some of your expectations? God, you let me down in 2020. God, you let me down now already in 2021. God, you let me down. Or maybe perhaps you've been seeing God incorrectly, more like a military general, that he should fight for your causes. And it seems like he's not fulfilling his side of the deed. Now, I want to say this here today, that Jesus isn't Democratic or Republic, Republican. He doesn't take sides. He doesn't take parties. He doesn't serve us. Now, who is he? He's God. He is the I am. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. How have you been seeing Jesus? How have you been seeing him recently? And how's that working out for you? How are you seeing him? This is what I'd say to you here today. If you're saying, man, I've been off and how I've been seeing him, and I can see a direct reflection in my joy, go to his word. Go to the gospels and, and see the person of Jesus there. Go to the gospels. Read John. Help me, God, to see you for who you really are. Go to the book of Psalms and see the character of God, that he thinks about you all the time, that he knows when you're going to rise up before you rise up. He knows when you're going to lay down before you lay down. He knows your thoughts before you think them. How do you see him? And watch as you abide and remain and continue in how he sees you and watch as joy accompanies your life. Our first truth in in order to experience joy in our life was seeing Jesus right. Our second one is this. We have to fellowship with him. Let's fellowship with him. Read on with me here in verse 3. It says this, What we've seen and heard we also declare to you, so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting? There's all these words he's saying, see, hear, declare, we've touched, all these things. What are all these words? They're all sensory words, right? Because you remember, he's talking to Christians who were dealing with the lie during the day that he wasn't fully God a man. So he's saying, remember, remember all these things, as real as you and I are today, I want you to think about them. That you don't believe Christian here in this room, in a fairy tale, a legend, or some made-up story. This is the real deal. This is the real thing. In verse 3, he says, What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father. What does the word fellowship mean? What's the word fellowship mean? It means this. It means partnership, joint, participation, and communion. You're with God. You're with someone. This word's used in, uh, in the New Testament 20 times. It'll look different in, in Scripture. Think about it for a moment. In Genesis, what did fellowship look like? Think about that. Walking, talking, 
you wake up in the morning and you're there. And who are you with? You're with God. Your, your communication is perfect. There's no, mm, what's he thinking about me today? No, you just know. You're in perfect fellowship with the living God. He walks with you in the garden. It's sweet. No questions. And then in a moment, Adam and Eve, they sinned. And that fellowship is broken. And what happens? A lack of joy, a lack of peace. Fear enters in. Does he really love me now? What have I done? Shame, deflection, all those things accompany that. And then as you take a look at the rest of the Old Testament, what did fellowship look like? A priest could go only into the Holy of Holies once a year. Imagine your prayer life. Imagine your interactions with God that you would only be able to experience him once a year. Fellowship in the Old Testament, it was through sacrifices. And unless you were a prophet or some specific situation, it was distant. It went from this face-to-face relationship to distance. And then Jesus showed up on the scene, right? As born of a virgin, for 33 years, he walked and talked with us. If you ran out of um, refreshments at the wedding, he'd provide them. If you were hungry, he'd give you a little snack or 20,000 people a snack. He walked and talked with them. He went fishing with them. The fellowship wasn't a do and don't. It was a, I want to live with you. This fellowship was sweet. And it's really cool because last week, what did Pastor Pete tell us? We're unified with Christ through the cross. We experienced this union with him. And because of that union, because of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, we now get to experience communion with him. That now I get to experience fellowship and walking with him day in and day out. Something was off, though. Something was off in my life in this last year, and I experienced a lack of fellowship. Cause our youth group, it was rocking. We had stuff going Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights. Kids were getting saved. Discipleship was happening. We're doing crazy events, hanging out at the schools. And then COVID started and went silent. And there was a temptation in my life and a lie that I believed. And it was this. What good are you for now? Like, what, what, what good are you now? Like, all these activities, all these things that you did, they stopped. What good are you now? I don't know if you can relate to me. It all stopped. And I asked, what am I worth? And it was a real struggle in my own personal life. And I asked God, I said, God, I need help. I need help. And so I started reading his word. And I, and I bumped into this guy named Enoch. There's not a lot that says about Enoch and God's word. And it says that he walked with God and then was not. And in Hebrews, it says that he pleased God. Okay, so I know that he had a faith that pleased God. But what did he do? Did he fight a giant? No, we don't know that. Did he save a ton of, uh, a ton of people? Did he walk through a huge sea? We don't know. It just said simply, he walked with God and then was not. 
That simple truth wrecked me. God's word, it says this. All of your production doesn't prove anything. Your production doesn't gain value. Your production doesn't prove that you're good enough for me. Your production and all the things you do, it's not like I'm up there saying, way to go, Tim, I love you more. No. I say that you're valuable because I am your God and you're my kid. There was another passage that stood out to me in COVID right at the beginning. It's in Psalm 40. And it says this, in my waiting, I waited. How many of y'all like waiting? Now, we all say amen, not the drive-thru, but I mean, come on, right? <laughs> Waiting's a tough thing. And this whole last year, God, it seemed like it was on repeat and Groundhog's Day of wait, 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 wait. But then when you read that verse and it says, in your waiting, wait, it's like, Wait, wait, God, I just got done waiting. He's like, yeah, a little more. And God said this through his word. You need to wait for me. You need to wait for me to move. Don't you try to move. Wait for me to move and watch me do amazing things. Now, what did I do? I was out of fellowship with God. I was out of communion with God. I believe the lie. But the beautiful thing is, and we read this here in this verse, there's an offering that John and the believers there were saying, hey, we have experienced fellowship with one another and with God. We don't want you to miss out. And in much the same way as John back then, I'm saying here for you today, I don't want you to miss out on joy right now. Right now. That's the offering for you and I here today. I don't want you to miss out on joy in the fellowship with God. I don't want you to miss out. The question is, how do you do it? The first way is we see Jesus right. The second way is we fellowship with him. But you might be here today and say, you know what? I, I, I still need a little more help. Well, I want you to think about this image for a moment. Say you're down on the river and in your, you're in a canoe. And you and your best buddy on the CNEM, and you're canoeing down the river. And you're going down, and all of a sudden, you come up on the snag right in the middle of the river. And you're coming up, and if you're going around the corner, you're actually supposed to take it opposite. But for some unreason, your canoe gets a little, a little off. And you find yourself right in the middle of this snag. And your canoe tips over, and your buddy flies out, and you fly out. Just to let you know, this is actually a real story that happened in my life. Um, the, the, you both fought, and it wasn't actually a buddy, it was my soon-to-be wife. And so the, you, you both, you both, uh, you both fly out of the water, and you get completely wet. It's freezing, okay? You get the canoe back up, you go down the river. I want you to imagine here for a moment that you make your way to the bank. You make your way to the campsite or something, you make a fire. And that fire, you know... Is it going to give you warmth? You get your things all set up. You get your campsite all set up. And you make the fire. And one of you starts warming yourself. And you get warm. How ridiculous would it be if your buddy were to say, what are you doing over there? Oh, I'm making a fire because I'm freezing. And, they, and your buddy goes, I'm, I'm okay. You're going to get hypothermia. You're going to get sick. Come, come here. No, I'm, I'm fine. 
I'm okay. What are you doing? Draw near to this. Get warm. The promise for you and I here today out of James is this. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. You are as close to God as you want to be. That's the promise. How close are you to the fire? How close are you to God? How close are you to Jesus this morning? Are you, are you next to him? Are you fellowshipping with him? Are you seeing him right? Or are you like my buddy? And he's saying, I, I want to go a different way. I just want to let you know where that leads. Lack of joy. Sickness. Pain. Confusion. Believe in a lie. Do you see Jesus right here this morning? Are you fellowshipping with him? I pray you are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, it's a funny thing to talk about joy as the majority of us in this room are wearing masks. It's a funny thing to talk about a peace that passes understanding and a calm amidst any circumstance when literally in our world, it seems like each day it could go two different ways. We're sitting on the edge of our seat, anticipating what's next. But yet you promised to us, God, a calm delight amidst any circumstance. If we would just see you correctly, see you right, and fellowship with you, no matter the circumstance. If we consider believers around this world who are losing their lives, that wake up to each day not knowing where their food might come from, they're experiencing joy because they see you right and they're fellowshipping with you. They're going to your word. They're meditating. They're abiding in you. Help us to be those believers right now in 2021 in Salem, Oregon who are seeing you right. Help us, God, to remain in you and then watch as joy accompanies our life and as moment after moment after moment, opportunities for the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ to be proclaimed to the world around us. God, thank you for this time. We love you, and we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. We have some questions for you here today, and just a couple minutes before you uh, run out of here, I encourage you maybe even talk to the neighbor next to you about them. Uh, we love you guys a lot, and uh, we're thankful for you, and uh, we'll... Uh, We'll see you again soon, okay? Stay in God's Word. We know that He's always with us. I know that you are always with me. Your presence goes before and goes behind.
47 says, God reigns over all the nations, for he is seated on his holy throne. For the kings of the earth belong to God, and he is greatly exalted. You reign in all the earth. You reign in all the heavens. You're holy. You're seated on the throne. Nothing can stand against you. You're Oh, there's never been 
sing this as a prayer? Yes, God, you are good. God, you are good. And God, you are good. Yes, God, you're so good. Yes, you're so Yeah. 